I'm utterly convinced that there is a business case to do this almost immediately. And I think within 10 years, we'll be able to make rocket fuel on the moon and bring it down from the moon to low Earth orbit and then use it to refuel space tugs and boost spacecraft into their final orbits. Hello, Space Watchers. I am Emma, senior editor of Space Watch Global, and this is a new episode of Space Cafe Radio, your radio channel dedicated to emerging trends and live conferences in the space sector. Today's guest is Dr. Philip Metzger, a planetary scientist at the University of Central Florida. Philip studies asteroid, lunar, and Martian regolith. In 2021, he was selected as the Kennedy Space Center's NASA Scientist Engineer of the Year for research into the blast effects of lunar landings. And in 2021, the International Astronautical Union named an asteroid after him. Asteroid 36329 was called Phil Metzger after his efforts to preserve the Apollo sites on the moon. I asked Philip so many questions about how we, as a humanity, should use and preserve the moon. And he gave me a very clear picture of a possible future. So please listen up and enjoy. Hello, Philip. Thanks a lot for being with us. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me here today. You are in an incredibly interesting field. It's the one that actually studying how we can start to have a permanent base on the moon and you study the more resources and how we can extract it. What do you think is the most intelligent and sustainable way to actually go on the moon? I think when we explore and do economic activity on the moon, we need to have a combination of robotics and humans on the moon working together. And I think we should approach it as an international effort to build a lunar base on the surface so that many countries in the world are contributing to building the infrastructure and learning how to work with lunar resources. And from that basis, then begin spreading out on the moon to do geology and to do economic activity. I think there does need to be a period of developing the capabilities, learning how to make robots that will work on the moon without breaking down too quickly. And it's going to take some time, and I think we need humans there to do that. More resources. We have heard about it, helium-free water, moon water. What is, in your opinion, the most important set of geological material resources that we should find and study on the moon? I have studied this extensively, and I just recently gave a talk on the economics of mining water on the moon and using it to make rocket fuel. And I'm utterly convinced that there is a business case to do this almost immediately. And I think within 10 years, we'll be able to make rocket fuel on the moon and bring it down from the moon to low Earth orbit and then use it to refuel space tugs and boost spacecraft into their final orbits more cheaply than if we launched the rocket fuel from the Earth. And I've done the analysis of the industrial economic data for the learning curve and for economies of scale and for the cost of reliability. And when you include all of these economic forces, I'm convinced it becomes completely assured that we have a business case to do this. So I think that will be the entry point. I think humans are going to start mining the water ice at the poles of the moon 
and converting it to hydrogen and oxygen for rocket fuel. I think that will then lead into other businesses. Once you're mining the soil, then you're going to be making metal out of the soil, chemically reducing it to get iron and aluminum and magnesium. And then you can use that to build giant structures in space to provide data and earth orbiting services that are too large to launch on a rocket. Therefore, we don't do those things currently. So I think it's going to lead into, it's going to create tipping points for other business opportunities. So I think that within the next several decades, we're going to see a lot of economic activity happening on the surface of the moon. So between helium free and water, you vote for water. I do think water is the best first business case. What do you think about the uh, idea of uh, utilizing the moon as a sort of like a dirty, digged pit that we're going to just extract all the raw materials and minerals that we need to provide a sustainable green energy on Earth, like finding the raw materials to build solar panels? Well, I think that over time, those sorts of activities should become economic. They won't be right away. Because right now we can get all of these raw materials on the earth. There are vast deposits of low-grade resources. We don't mine them right now because it's not economically viable. And so those resources will probably become economic before the lunar resources do. But as we do more activity on the moon, starting from mining water, making metals, then the cost of doing these other things will be a marginal cost, and those other activities are going to become economic as well. So there are rare earth elements on the moon. There, there's a lot of material that was planted on the moon due to asteroid impacts. Most of that material vaporized on impact, but some of it didn't. And even what vaporized still exists in the, as a signal in the regolith. So you can find other valuable things on the moon as well. So we need to learn to dig, right? Under the surface. <laughs> yes. Yes, I think we do. I think it'll have to be robots, but we need to have humans there working with the robots to fix them, figure out how to make them better, because it'll be hard to just do everything robotically. Speaking about the most important activities that should be established on the moon, which one do you think should have priority? Well, I'm going to pick two. I can't pick just one. <laughs> So I think that it's important for the health of the Earth to begin doing economic activity on the moon because over time, I think that we can move at least a half of our industrial footprint off the planet. And I think that's going to be vital for the Earth within a century. But the other thing is the science on the moon. I think there is absolutely crucial science we have to do by getting geologists back to the surface of the moon. In particular, we believe that the solar system was disrupted about 3.2 billion years ago. We see all kinds of evidence for this disruption. We think that the giant planets shuffled around and maybe Uranus and Neptune even swapped places at one point. And it threw Neptune out into the Kuiper belt, which caused comets to be scattered everywhere. And we think that these comets are what brought the water down to the earth and brought the carbon, which makes up our bodies. And so we think life is possible on the earth because of this event. But how are we going to find out about something that happened 3.2 billion years ago? 
here on the earth, all the evidence is erased by the wind and the waves and the ocean. But on the moon, where it's an airless body and there's no plate tectonics to erase the evidence, we could go and dig in the soil and look at the layers, at layer upon layer of impact ejecta blankets from craters and asteroids hitting the moon, from um, comets and asteroids. And over time, with some serious effort, geologists will sort that out and be able to calibrate the rate that impacts have occurred on the moon. And therefore, we can assuredly date and quantify that disruption that happened. And that will help us to understand, is this something that happens commonly? Does, do all solar systems have this kind of an event? And ultimately, that can help us to answer the question, how common is life throughout the cosmos? Are there other solar systems where the terrestrial planets close to the sun have lots of water and carbon so that life can exist on them as well? So this gets to one of the biggest questions of all of science. Are we alone? And to solve that problem, we've got to get people back to the moon. Do you think that if we pursue this vision of moon alpha, at least, of the industrial offprint of planets on the moon, are we not going to irremediably change the lunar environment? Well, that is a, a good question, and I do hear this question a lot. And I think it's a really good question. I think that we need to be serious about addressing those concerns. And the time to start addressing them is right now, as we're just on the cusp of beginning economic activity on the moon. It's entirely possible that we can utilize lunar resources without creating a trash bin. The soil on the moon is constantly bombarded and flipped over. And so the whole moon is, is like the result of one big artillery bombing already. But if we're going to mine it, we can certainly leave it in a condition where it looks the same as it did from the beginning. But also another factor is there's a lot of radiation, cosmic radiation and solar radiation on the moon. And people on the moon will not be protected because there's no atmosphere to filter that out. So a lot of people who are looking at lunar mining are thinking that it should all be done underground. And that way, the workers working on the robots will be protected. And so if we do that, then the entire thing will be completely out of view to begin with. It will be underground. We'll only have ports where the astronauts will land, and then they will go down into the mining caverns under the surface. Of course, we'll need to have power systems collecting sunlight, so it won't entirely be underground. But that would go a long way to mitigating it. But ultimately, we really just need to address this smartly as a global people. We need to come up with international policies on sharing the moon. We need to make sure that we find ways to economically share the moon. Unfortunately, the bar to participate is a high bar because you can't just go live like a pioneer in a log cabin on the moon. You have to have spacesuits and spaceships and all sorts of life support. And so the cost of ordinary people participating is high. And if we want all the people of the world to share in the economic benefit, we need to create ways for all the people of the world to participate and have ownership in this. So I think there, there are some really strong reasons why we need to address 
the social and geopolitical implications of lunar industry, and we need to be doing that right now. Absolutely. Otherwise, it might turn into first-come, first-served system. So, last question, time frame. When do you think we're going to actually start to see the future that you just depicted from Kakintafu? That's a really good question. And about a year ago, I tried to answer that question, and I came up with three different scenarios. So scenario number one is the path that we are on right now, and that's where space agencies like the European Space Agency, the Luxembourg Space Agency, and NASA and others are investing in technologies and eventually going to do some missions on the surface. But it's going to take many decades for these technologies to become mature enough to start doing economic activity on the moon. And so that's a very slow approach. And I think it might take 70 years before we reach the tipping point, and then we can really start to move industry off the earth and help contribute to saving the planet. And we might not see results for a century. The second approach, the second scenario, is that we have private investment, maybe these billionaires that are doing their own space programs, as well as all the other investors putting money into space companies, maybe they will go and start doing economic activity on the surface of the moon very rapidly, starting within just a few years. And as these efforts start to make progress, then eventually all the nations of the world are going to realize we are on the verge of a revolution and we don't want to be left out. And so there will come a tipping point when everybody wants to jump in, and that's when the national governments put a lot of investment into it. And then the third approach would be where the um, thinkers in the government start to realize that there's a revolution coming, and maybe out of geopolitical considerations, they start to invest in it, not just for science, like the space agencies are doing, but more to project national presence. And so I think some combination of those three scenarios, oh, by the way, the second and third scenario would predict that we could have a major revolution in space within just a few decades, leading to helping to solve global problems here on the earth um, well within this century, becoming a real contribution to solving climate change and reducing the industrial burden that our planet has to bear. So I think my best guess would be that we're going to see economic activity on the moon within five to 10 years. And within another five or 10 years after that, it will be very profitable. And then we're going to start to see a rapid scale up of activity from many parties. Fantastic. Philip, thanks a lot for your intervention. That was very interesting. And I hope we'll have the chance to discuss again maybe in five, ten years, and see where we are with the moon exploration. That too. <laughs> Thanks a lot. If you want to keep the pulse of the space industry, please visit our website at www.spacewatch.global and subscribe to our newsletters. And of course, don't forget to become a space watcher. I'm Emma Gatti, Senior Editor of Space Watch Global, your independent perspective on space. See you next time. Ciao.